0: This is North of Normal, a podcast about Canadian cinema and our relationship with film. My name is Andrew Hunter Scully and today we are talking about Bond Cop, Bad Cop, released in 2006, directed by Eric Canwell, written by Leela Basin, Alexi Epstein, Patrick Huard and Kevin Tierney. And today to talk about this film, I'm joined by Colin Everett. Colin, how are you? I'm good. It's good to be here. How you doing? Not bad. Before we uh, start talking about this movie, uh, let's take a second to introduce who you are. Who is Colin? So yeah, I um, grew up in New Brunswick. Moved here to Halifax straight out of high school.
1: Did a lot of watching movies through the latter part of high school and uh, out of my buddy's kind of big collection. And watching a lot of stuff out of the old video difference, which, you know, rest in peace. Rest in peace.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, just to explain really quickly, Video Difference here in Halifax was really a landmark for moviegoers. It only closed down what a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, not long. And and immediately the collection just scattered to the wind. Well, no, a lot of it was actually donated to the Halifax Public Library. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and every so often I'm trying to track down a movie, and I, I just kind of type in out of curiosity. I'm like, that one was probably from Video Difference.
1: Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of favorites went to collectors. They they did a big sell off when they they closed up. Yeah, I think
0: I even ended up getting the last couple of seasons of Deadwood out of that. Nice. Uh, anyway,
1: sorry, keep going. Yeah, other than that, basically been. Been living and working here for the last ten years or so, and yeah, just sort of just keeping on. I uh, sort of a delinquent artist from here and there, music, but a bit of writing here and there. But uh,
0: yeah, great. Okay, well, to start things off, what is Bond Cop Bad Cop? Uh, so Bond Cop Bad Cop is a movie
1: in which a grizzly murder happens at the Quebec Ontario border, and these two cops from the Ontario Police and the Quebec Police have to try and solve the case with all the attendant conflicts between the two of them. And basically, has this weird pissing contest between the two divisions and the RCMP. At least that's where it starts. And then it gets into this whole weird personal grudge serial
0: killer thing. Yeah. Yeah. And really, essentially, it's a Canadian attempt at a buddy cop movie. More or less. It's essentially Canadian Bad Boys. Yeah. I, I thought Lethal Weapon, but yeah. 48 hours. That's you just take, kind of, I mean, you take any of them because they do fall in. I mean, just to point out, it was starring and written by Patrick Huard, who plays the Quebecois mm. police officer, and Colm Fiore, who I'm sure we're going to talk about a little later as Martin Ward who, of course, is the stiff Anglo Mm -hmm. person there. So just a note, just to get a couple of facts out of the way, right out of the gate, at the 27th Genie Awards uh, in 2007, which, as we touched upon last episode, is, for lack of a better term, known as the Canadian Oscars. Colin, we touched upon this before. You had actually never heard of the Genies. Not not even (laughs) once. Which doesn't really surprise me. I mean, I remember with my parents once in a while watching the Genie Awards on TV here and there. But even as I grew up into like a film fan, I kind of knew they existed and sometimes would know which ones won. But even though like I watched the Oscars every single year religiously, even though I kind of hate them, just never bothered with the genies. Maybe this will change that a little bit, but... Regardless, it was nominated for quite a few Genie Awards that year, but it won for Best Picture and Best Sound, which at first you think is kind of odd. But then you think about it. Well, Canada doesn't produce too many like big action movies, Mm -hmm. you know, with lots of big explosions and stuff like that, which this one definitely works in. So I guess that kind of makes sense. I didn't even bother to look up what the competition was in the category that year. I mean, I I kind of believe it, though. Like just watching the movie, like I remember there being
1: a lot of interesting transitions between scenes with sort of diegetic and non-diegetic audio running together. Like there was there was some good design
0: there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of good stuff in this film across the board, definitely. So this uh, movie has a couple of claims to fame here in Canada. It actually did pretty well for a Canadian domestic release film on a budget of 8 million dollars. It made almost 10 million dollars, which is really good domestically, and this is a movie that I know a lot of people saw at home mm-hmm. after its theatrical release. So, uh not bad there. It's no wonder it got a sequel, which we may touch yeah. upon a little bit later. And the other fact that this movie tries to lay claim to, well, back with the budget, it claimed for a while that it was the highest grossing domestic Canadian film. At which least is, nominally. It is. I mean, if you fudge, apparently it's still Porky's, right. which is still really weird. Whether or not I ever run out of enough movies to cover Porky's at some point, <laughs> maybe that fact will come back up. Otherwise, we're tackling it here. Uh, the other claim that it has is that it claimed in a lot of places where I was researching that it was the first bilingual film right. of a release in Canada, like 100% bilingual. Even in the recording process, they uh recorded it completely in english and completely in french apparently And okay. it was afterwards in the editing room where they decided which parts would be in which, which language. parts would which because you know some of these scenes they really do cut back and forth between the two languages however even that isn't true i swear this is the only sidebar i'm going to get into like this entire episode but doing research for the show can be kind of weird and you kind of unearth some really weird things uh apparently what is the very first bilingual canadian film and I'm probably not going to pronounce this right. It is a film from 1963 called Amanita Pestilens. Okay. Uh, it is also, weirdly, the first color film made in Canada. Huh. So for those facts alone, I find it really, really odd that I cannot find this movie anywhere. Right. Like, it's not available to stream online. I can't find even the fact that there was ever, like, a home video or DVD release of it. Now, I'm just going to read the synopsis. You're going to see why I want to see this movie. The plot concerns a Montreal suburbanite who becomes obsessed with his award-winning lawn, which has become infested with ground fungus. His neighbor across the street identifies the species as Amanita pestilin. The mushrooms prove impossible to eradicate, and the homeowner directs all of his efforts to getting rid of them to the exclusion of all else. His obsession very nearly destroys his life and leads to a deadly confrontation with his neighbor. Wow. Don't you want to see that movie? I'd, yeah, like that's... Where can we find copies of that? Like it's Part it's, of it's me easy. wonders
1: if it was in the video difference collection. I just never found it.
0: As far as I can tell, it's never been released anywhere. Huh. Uh, apparently it was a complete flop. So because just before we got into the... The Nitty gritty of Bangkok, Bangkok. I wanted to throw that one out there because, uh, yeah, that that one sounds like a real fun time. I mean, for it, lack I, of
1: a better term, it does kind of explain why they thought they were the first bilingual film shot in Canada. Because why would they have heard of that?
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think when Patrick Huard came up with the idea for this film, his first instinct was to go onto Wikipedia and look up that sort of information. So now that we've had that tangent to the side let's get back into this colin now before we decided to land on this movie you did have another movie that you wanted to talk about yep. uh you know you were available to talk and i kind of wanted to because the last two episodes were both horror films i kind of wanted to break it up a little bit because what you want to talk about is ostensibly a horror film mm. kind of in an odd way uh so you went away and you came back with this movie Bond cop bad cop uh why was that um well both movies kind of exist in the same space i brought up video
1: difference before when I first moved to Halifax, I was maybe 18 years old, my brother and I would just make a ritual of just renting as many schlocky movies as we could from uh, from Video Difference. It was right across the street from us. So Pawnee Pool and Bon Cop, Bad Cop were very much a part of both of those, of just that, that time in our lives. I think Bon Cop, Bad Cop is a better fit for me just because it. I think it has more to say about sort of the way we look at Canadiana than maybe Pawnee Pool does. Pawnee Pool is just kind of a horror thing of its own, and maybe, it has, maybe there's some more there. I haven't taken a look at it in a while. Bonka Backup just appealed to me more now especially as a comparative point to then
0: yeah out of all the episodes that we've done so far this is definitely the movie that is the most about Canada like you can't watch this film and mistake it for being anything other than a Canadian film yeah like it's, it's just like
1: bursting at the seams with kind of the you know straight out of a Molson commercial hokey Canadian-ness but also kind of a more earnest look at it Uh, I mean, the movie is just pure provincial bickering between Anglo and Franco-Canada.
0: It really is. And I don't want to say you can... I'm sure there are other places in this world where there are the same sort of cultural divides of people living together, but not so government regulated. Yeah. You know, I I find it really hard. And the fact that this movie right from the get-go, you know, when they first discover the body as you brought up, and they're both like trying to just pass it off on each other's jurisdictions. And that happens to fall not only on a provincial, like you get you know, and Smokey of the at crossing state lines, you know, and that sort of a thing. But here it's not just a political practical thing. It's also, you know, the sort of cultural divide. Well, it's kind of
1: it's it's really telling about Canada that we in our government have a sitting party whose stated goal is separatism. You know, like that it's, it's baked in the DNA of this country of, of just to be at each other's throats or at least digging each other in the ribs a little bit.
0: Well, and it leads to one of the jokes that I don't know if I'll actually say what it is, but leads to one of the biggest eye rolls for me in this, which, well, I mean, it involves a, shall we say, love scene later on in the movie with Chance of Quebec separation being caught to an Anglo that doesn't know what she's actually saying. Yeah. Uh, To talk about the whole sort of dialogue aspect of it, because I mean, what the creation of this movie was, uh, Patrick Huard, who plays David Bouchard in this film, also one of the screenwriters, he had the idea for this film after doing a bit at the 2003 three genie awards in which he played on cultural and linguistic differences between french and english canada he realized that what separates anglo and franco audiences also united them and this is the quote the one thing that we can laugh about together is our differences which is a nice sentiment yeah i, I mean, suppose uh, and just to add it was i was kind of disappointed i kind of scoured online to see if i could find this bit from the genie awards and right. i couldn't find it anywhere mm. so i thought I, that would be a to thing.
1: And imagine the archiving was very good on that. No, probably
0: not. Yeah, well, I mean, it's telling that sort
1: of uh, that sort of pulling together by your differences. I mean, half the the, the plot is initiated by fighting to keep the the case they're on out of the hands of the RCMP, which is the federal police.
0: Yeah, and even right off of the bat, I mean, I, I want to go back into the characters. You know, you have Patrick Huard, who I use the analogy of Lethal Weapon is more of a Mel Gibson right. type from Lethal Weapon. He's kind of the rough around the edges, and then you have. Confiore as the more button-up. I, I mean, one of my favorite gags in the movies is how his like dream is to get a desk job.
1: Yeah. Which kind of comes up as a gag quite a few times throughout the movie. I mean, if they're threatening his retirement, then he'd have to die at some point, so. Yeah, fair enough.
0: So, okay, so... First off, being from Nova Scotia, how much interaction have you had with French Canada?
1: Very little. It's kind of weird. I don't think I realized how segregated uh, at least the Atlantic provinces can be until I realized that I met my first Acadian
0: friend at 24,
1: and I had to leave my home province to do that. So
0: how do you think this movie actually handles these cultural relations I mean it's funny that you brought up one of the best jokes in the entire movie is actually in the setup when they are at the crime scene where you know they bring up that you know knowing how to speak French outside of well only in Quebec in certain parts of New Brunswick. Yeah
1: I felt very seen by that.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah definitely. Well let, let's talk about the actual setup of this film and I hadn't seen this movie for a long time I think it was pretty shortly after it had come out and I do like a lot of this movie. I mainly like the two leads. I think they have a really genuinely good chemistry. I mean, I think we have touched upon before, not in this episode, but as friends, we both love Colm Fiore. Oh, yeah. Like,
1: I, have, I have a deep, unending love for everything Colm Fiore does.
0: Well, let's talk about Colm Fiore for a second then because we're talking about these two actors. Unfortunately, I mean, like a lot of the people working on this film, you know, Big Careers in Quebec Uh, This is kind of my first exposure to them from the deck director down to Patrick Huard, Mm -hmm. you know, who apparently starred in a very successful series of hockey films called The Boys. It's what was interesting
1: sort of just doing a quick Google search of just, you know, finding potential movies to talk about here. Every time a a movie out of Quebec came up, you started seeing a lot of the same names and him
0: especially. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And and to go into Colm Fiore, Colm Fiore is that special type of uh, Canadian talent where uh, I know my experience. I was trying to think of where I had first seen him. I, it might have been the movie The Wrong Guy starring Dave Foley and him. Actually, no. It was actually probably before that point I is another one of my absolute favorite all-time movies, 32 short films about Glenn Gould. But I think I saw it so long ago, I had no idea who Confiore was. Right. And then when I finally rewatched it, it was after seeing The Wrong Guy. And I was like, oh, so the guy is really good at pulling himself up into vents. Yeah. You know, one of the best gigs from The Wrong Guy again hopefully going to cover the wrong guy so we can talk more about uh Confiore's brilliant career yeah but i, I mean, mean that's just it i mean he's a very private guy i mean one of the only real established facts about him other than his imdb list is that he spent 17 years at stratford in stratford ontario you know doing shakespeare plays and these sort of you know working himself up from a background player all the way up to a leading guy and even still you know going back every few years for productions but i mean he's one of those actors that even if he pops up in a really kind of shitty movie like thor the dark world with a lot of makeup Wait, was he? He was in the first one. Was he in the second one? That is my mistake. He's in the first one. Those first two Thor movies totally blur together. The still point being is the fact that when he pops up, you're like, hey, it's Colm Fiore. Yeah. And you wonder if anybody outside of or even most people in Canada really pay attention to who this guy is.
1: He's a good time in that second Chronicles of Riddick movie. First one, I don't know. After it was not pitch black anymore.
0: Yes. It is in Chronicles of Riddick that he's in. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, in this movie, I do really like their chemistry a lot. Now, this leads into basically the scene setting of the movie, which is one of the aspects that I kind of don't like about it. I understand a, a movie doubling down on the bilingual buddy cop thing. I actually think it's a really clever sort of way to throw a twist on the buddy cop idea. If, if you know, some Canadians are going to go and be like, we're going to make a buddy cop movie. That is a great mm-hmm. thing uh, and a great concept to roll with. And I think for the most part, it plays out really well. I like how they spend equal time between, you know, Montreal and in Toronto. So you get those two different sides playing off of each other. And in the same way, you also get the dynamic of both of them being out of their element but also the way that their families separately play off of them mm-hmm. so you not only get the sort of family relationship being established with the individuals and their family but you also get what the sort of other type of opposite personality type bouncing against the same friends and family mm-hmm. kind of what happens there yeah which i think is really really interesting but that being said the one thing that really doesn't work for me the whole hockey serial killer thing yeah that that kind of doesn't was, work for me at all
1: <laughs> it was the loosest of possible setups to just have them kind of bouncing off each other uh i mean i think you and i have discussed previously that neither of us really gives that much of a shit about hockey
0: yeah we're going to peel the curtain back to anybody listening from outside of canada this giant curtain that surrounds canada we're going to peel back that back and you're going to like be let in on a little secret not every canadian likes hockey yeah some of us are dorks i wasn't raised on hockey neither of my parents liked hockey i'm not a fair weather hockey fan i don't watch at playoffs But that being said, that's not why I don't like this. I mean, I do really like some movies that are hockey movies. I I consider two of my favorite movies of all time to be Slapshot and another hopeful future podcast episode, Goon. Mm -hmm. I really love
1: the movie Goon a lot. Quick aside, Goon is real good. It infuriates me when they show shots of Halifax and then scenes that are not shot here.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's going to be something that comes up, especially when we cover that in a future episode. Of course, when I first saw Goon, I wasn't living here yet. So that didn't really cross my mind. I just kind of took everything for granted. So it's not that it is hockey, because I also understand that hockey is a big thing. It's just when you're having this movie that is about, you know, cultural differences and bilingualism, it just seems like an easy, cheap way to just kind of it's not even to get a laugh I mean there are a lot of hockey jokes throughout the whole movie I mean to note you have you know Rick Mercer doing his best Don Cherry which
1: is not a very good Don Cherry to be real
0: well it's kind of Rick Mercer doing his Rick Mercer thing yeah and again for anybody not in Canada because I think only if you've ever lived in Canada you would even know these two names that we're talking about Mm. Rick Mercer kind of had a sort of tonight show type not tonight show uh, the daily show type show sort of yeah but a a, lot of political commentary and stuff a lot more PG yes definitely a lot more PG he was known for his rants and Don cherry is... What the worst aspect of hockey? I mean, yeah, he's
1: he's your racist grandfather given a regular TV show.
0: Yeah, so just a little bit of context there. Even though we don't like hockey, we still know who these people are.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, know, and that's why a lot of sort of centering this on a whole like hockey serial killer thing still kind of works because no matter whether or not you care about hockey, it still plays. Like you're you're aware of all these these cultural touchstones.
0: Well, this is one of the big things. When I was doing the notes last night, I think one of the reasons why it doesn't work for me not not to kind of backtrack myself a little bit here but i do think it is still kind of unnecessarily an aspect to shoehorn in i think you could have had almost any other crime i don't think they needed to lean into that comedically you know what i mean to still have a really good comedy but the other aspect i think that occurred to me last night was that this movie is really ahead of the curve of the idea of toxic fandom Mm. uh, before it really became a thing and i realized that the sort of spoilers about this movie i mean you kind of know this at the very beginning the serial killer in this movie is a dude who wears a hockey mask and tortures people that are responsible for bad things happening in hockey like players being traded to the states teams being moved to the united states you know ruining the purity of the game Mm -hmm. i think is what he says in it and And i
1: strictest most personal definition of what that means
0: yes exactly but i realize that And in a different context, you know, this guy could be some jerk who is killing people because he wants the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, you know, or is pissed off because a girl uses a lightsaber in Star Wars, you know, and that type of toxic fandom drives me up the wall. So I think that kind of tainted my viewing of it a little bit Mm. because I was just looking at this dude and not finding it funny that he's a hockey themed mm, serial yeah, killer. It's just and a serial little killer too movies real. don't for the most part don't really work for me, but it kind of just reminded me of that toxic fandom that I just really don't like. So Colin, we've already talked about a lot of the sort of concepts and themes of the film I mean, let's be honest. It's not that complex of the film. It really rides off of the cast of the and chemistry of the cast quite a fair bit. It doesn't have a lot new to say about the action movie at all.
1: Yeah, it sort of trades in cliche to set up these two guys to bounce off each other,
0: which overall isn't a bad time. No, no, you know, like I I did overall enjoy watching Bon Cop Bad Cop again after all these years, and I think it does for the most part hold up for as an action movie again. With the only real weak part being the bad guy, especially at the end. Yeah, you have this sort of final confrontation with said serial killer but do you have any like what do you think about bon cop bad cop
1: i guess bon cop bad cop especially revisiting it after having seen it the first time like i guess as someone who grew up sort of more earnestly embodying or or trying to sort of internalize like a very hokey like straight out of a molson canadian beer ad canadiana and a weird i guess patriotism it's it's interesting to come back to a movie that sort of i felt like embodied that the way i had it in my head And now that I'm a lot more cynical towards that actually kind of still speaks to where I'm at now especially with how much petty bullshit there is in it.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually a really good take on the movie. I mean, I'd be really fascinated to see what somebody who wasn't Canadian thought of this film, you know, because it did apparently pretty decent numbers outside of Canada. It wasn't a huge blockbuster by any stretch of the imagination, but I'd be really interested to see what somebody would have to say about it or if they just want to get, it. I mean, it, it speaks volumes that most of the Wikipedia page about this movie mm. is explaining all these sort of k cultural references
1: yeah. Well, and, and I feel like a lot of it, and, and I don't know, maybe maybe this is sort of the bias of looking at American media from the Canadian side, but I feel like this movie would very much play with the kind of earnestness that a lot of the weird narrative around Canada that comes out of the States.
0: Okay, this leads to an interesting part then. The episode so far, I've asked what do you think this movie says about Canada, Mm -hmm. and it's a little early, but maybe this is a really good place to go right now. Before we get to that, just to quickly state, there is a sequel to this Bon Cop, Bad Cop 2. It's, I... Nothing else. I feel kind. like
1: there. I feel like there should be some kind of pun subtitle to that, and it's a real. It's a real shame that it doesn't have one.
0: Yeah, but you have not seen it. I have not. I saw it doing research for this film. This movie was on Netflix. It was really easy for me to see, mm-hmm. and part two was on there. So it was right after my first watch, where I just kind of go in cold and not making notes or anything like that. So I was mm-hmm. like, sure, I'll throw a bonkot back up to. Overall, I kind of liked it more, actually. Oh, yeah? Because, well, it doesn't have the whole hockey aspect that I didn't like about it. And yeah. it's more playing the two of them up against American culture. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame that they waited, you know, like 11 years, but whatever. I just want to say right now, it might be a while before I cover Bon Cop, Bad Cop 2. There's a lot of great Canadian films out there. So might be it for a while. But I just wanted to touch upon it. It's kind of cool that it did make enough money that eventually they made a sequel.
1: Yeah. Although it's very much on brand that the second one is about kind of them against America. Cause I mean, that's like the story of Canadian media since we started subsidizing it to be like, please be less American.
0: Well, in the sort of unimaginative nature of, you know if they're going to have a serial killer have them hockey themed Mm -hmm. having the sequel being not versus against the states but having to work with American cops right 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 that seems to be the next natural I don't want to say lazy but easiest yeah like it's thing to throw against our protagonist it feels like kind of a natural progression yeah definitely so okay we brought it up what is usually the final question of the podcast but it's come up a lot about what somebody outside of Canada would think about this movie so it just makes total sense to ask you like what do you think this movie says about Canada
1: I think as someone living in Canada with more of an inside perspective it spends a lot more time like in a very hammy action movie kind of tone but actually portraying the kind of interprovincial petty infighting Uh, I mean, this movie could be at least as crazy or more if you like threw a a farther west cop in here, somebody from Alberta or something like you throw a cowboy in the mix.
0: I'm surprised he didn't go the lethal weapon route, you Mm -hmm. know, and then with future sequels, just throwing a different guy from a different province and seeing how that kind of screws with the dynamic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, well, let's just go go like one province west at a time. Um, I don't know what Manitoba would add. Sorry, Manitoba.
0: We'll cover that when we do the episode about FUBAR. But, you know, for people that are not Canadian, what do you think, you know, other than the political infighting that they would find out about our country? I
1: mean, as an outsider, you probably wouldn't honestly learn that much. I think it's drinking pretty deep in the well from, you know, like you'd brought up the whole hockey serial killer plot. Like it plays with enough earnest cliche that I think as an outsider, it probably wouldn't say a whole lot to you. I think it's only if you're sort of looking for a different read as someone who already grew up steeped in these cliches and sort of has some inclination to buck against them. Like, them bickering would just be two cops who don't get along bickering. It wouldn't be, oh yeah, of course these two guys being from where they are, being part of the police forces specifically that they are from, would bicker this way.
0: And of course the bilingual nature of the film, and I did really appreciate that a lot. You know, it, it was a movie, I mean, aside from having subtitles, a lot of the dialogue is so snappy, I found that, you know, I couldn't be checking my phone a lot during it.
1: No, well, especially um, speaking of bilingualism, I, I wonder if you can get more out of this movie if you're uh, if you are fully bilingual because there's uh, the scene where they're really high and they're getting chewed up by their captain,
0: which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Actually. Oh, it's, it's so, so good. actually really really funny. Yeah, and and Colm
1: uh character Ward, his French is just falling apart because he's so high. And it took me a minute to realize that because I had to read the subtitle and then go like, oh wait a minute, that's no, none of that sounds right. And
0: of course, all the cultural references as well. You mm. know, as I said, this was. I don't want to say mainly a Quebec production, but definitely a lot of the people working on it, you know, have that sort of French background. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know about you, Colin. Like I said, I don't think it's a bad movie. I just don't have too much more to say about Bon Cop, Bad Cop. Do you? Honestly, like, it's, you know, I have feelings about
1: this, but uh, at the same time, it's still kind of a... It's a thin movie that I found things in because I was looking for them. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. And I mean... I think I'm happy it's out there. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I I wouldn't tell anybody not to
1: watch it. And I think a lot of my enthusiasm for it comes from that I do find something kind of more substantial in there. But also, I have a deep, deep love for things that are kind of dumb and a lot of fun.
0: Well, I'd be really curious to see what your opinion of the sequel is. I really got to go spend some time with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for being here, Colin. It was a... Kind of fun to tackle a different type of movie on this podcast. In the very early days of the podcast, we're kind of gradually getting to these different genres and types of film.
1: Yeah, I mean, action movie schlock, you know, deserves to have its day.
0: And uh, looking forward to getting you back for some of those other films we talked about covering. Be happy to be here. All right. North of Normal is a podcast of Eldritch Creative, which can be found on Facebook at Eldritch Creative and Instagram at Eldritch.Creative. This show can be found at North of Normal on Facebook and on Instagram at North of Normal Pod. Intro music is by Dad vs. Son out of Hamilton, Ontario. That's it for now. Be safe.